that gave Mary Jesus. And you are the same God that allowed David to slay Goliath. As we hear your words today, help us remember that these are the same words you gave back then. Nothing's changed. You haven't changed. Allow us to hear your words today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What if we could love the way Jesus did? Passionately, faithfully, powerfully. What if the way we love could make a difference in the world around us? What if that love looked at everyone the way God does? A love which doesn't see the past, but is consumed by a desire to see people come to know Jesus. A love which is patient and kind, not envious or prideful. A love which puts others before ourselves, chooses peace over anger. A love which protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Do we love like this? Do we love like Jesus? Maybe it's time to ask a simple question. How can we love better? Let's try again. How about that, Scott? A little bit better. Thank you. I'm sorry. I got this fear. Scott keeps telling me, I'll mute you and unmute you. Don't worry about it. I had this pastor, and he's a pretty good friend of mine one time. He says, hey, I'll unmute and unmute my mic. You guys back there in the bullpen, don't worry about it. Well, let's just say he went to the little boy's room, and the whole sanctuary heard it. So, uh, I'm a little fearful of my mic cutting on and off, so I apologize, Scott. That's all my fault of cutting it on and off. And um, he was just washing his hand, you know. So we are in our Love Better series. I told you when we started this, I wasn't sure how many weeks it was going to be. I, I know where the landing point is, but if like this week God lays something out there that I think we need to talk about, we might extend it a little bit further. So we're in week three of how do we love better? It sounds like a simple answer, like Jesus. That sounds so simple, but there is so much that Jesus showed us. And those of us that put our faith in Jesus, well, it kind of comes with a command. It comes with an expectation. And everything Jesus did, he continuously raised the bar. And I want to go back to something I started to say because it really made an impression on me. Every time we get this young lady up here on the front row back from camp, she's so inspired. And we thank you for what you do with our kiddos. And, uh, man, the way you threw that first prayer down there, I was like, man, just keep going. I'm going to sit down and listen to you. And uh, thank you. That's what I started to say. My mic messed up. I just wanted to say thank you, Tanya. And she loves it when I put her on the spot. So it's our bedrock scripture that kind of our Love Better series that we've been going through. It's John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. 
And the emphasis there is love one another as I have loved you. That raises the bar so high that most of the time we're probably not even going to come close to achieving it. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we love like Jesus, it's going to take care of itself. We don't have to go out there with our Jesus shirt on. We don't have to go out there with a a sign on the corner. And all that is fine in and of itself. But if we simply go about life and we love on each other in this church, and we love on other people that we come in contact with, and we love first, that's what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. We enter a situation by saying, I'm going to love first. It's going to take care of itself. Week one, we talked about the Samaritan woman, how Jesus just shattered all kinds of norms of that day, talking with a woman, talking with a Samaritan, and basically he said that he was the wellspring of life. And then last week, Jesus showed the Pharisees how we, and he showed us too, are to show mercy. You know, no matter what we do in our daily lives, No matter what situation that we're going to run across, I promise you there's an example in the Bible that we can go to, and Jesus has shown us how to love better. That's what this whole series is. See, Jesus had a job to do. He came to earth with a command from God, and and it's crazy to think what that job is. He came to earth to die. But before that, and almost more important than that, he came to earth to show us how to love. Before he completed his command, he was not just a clock puncher. He wasn't somebody who just came in and, y'all remember those old Looney Tunes cartoons, you know, when the coyote and the roadrunner, they go in, they punch their clock, morning, Fred. (laughs) Come on, anybody remember Looney Tunes, you know? He was not just a clock puncher. Jesus came to change the world, and he did. And he did it with grace and such unparalleled love. So today, I'm going to talk about something that's going to make some of us, myself included, feel a little bit uncomfortable. We're going to talk about forgiveness today. Because ultimately, Jesus showed us the most ultimate example. And we're going to try to unpack that a little bit of what forgiveness is. And also what unforgiveness means. So we're going to try to unpack that a little bit. And in Matthew 18, 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. The King James Version translates this as 70 times seven. Now, for you math people out there, that's 490 times that we're supposed to forgive for something like that. 490 times. Can you imagine? I figured that up. That's basically if we were starting January and every day we say, hey, you're forgiven. I'm sorry, you're forgiven. Or 
Um, please forgive me. Maybe we should be asking for it too. You're forgiven. That takes us all the way to May of the next year. If we said it once a day, every day. 490 times. I ran across a quote from Billy Graham and it says, What Jesus meant by this expression was that we ought to forgive others without limit. Basically, our forgiveness should be limitless. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Kind of humbling for some of us. I'm sure the disciples of that day, remember, they're coming out of their scripture, and it's in ours too, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, I'll forgive them. You wait. And when I take that tooth back out like they did me, I'm going to forgive them. No. Jesus said, that's not the way we're going to do it. We're going to forgive them even when they don't deserve to be forgiven. The disciples that day would have been like, oh my God, did he say 70 times 7? I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh, how can we even do that? Now, when I start talking about forgiveness, and I start talking about we should forgive, some of you just went somewhere. And I get it. I've been there. I know how hard it is sometimes to forgive somebody, and, and we start going, well, well, you haven't seen what they've done. You, you don't know what they did to me. Or maybe it's, you're not forgiving yourself for something. I, I can never be forgiven for this. Do you know how many people stand at arm's length from putting their faith in Jesus because they're not even willing to forgive themselves? So some of you went somewhere. I, I, I know you did. What you know, it, it's just so much that goes in there. You don't know what he did. You don't know what she did. I, I can't forgive her for that. C.S. Lewis, uh, he's, he's one of my favorite authors to quote, and I've, I've read a few of his books, a handful of his books, and, and he says that, and, and what I love about C.S. Lewis, um, I don't know if I've mentioned him to you all before, but one of the things I love about C.S. Lewis was he was an atheist. He was a very educated man. He was an author, and he would write things, and he would investigate them to the hill. And he set out to prove that Jesus wasn't re real. But in the end, it was undeniable to him. The evidence was overwhelming, and he put his faith in Jesus. So I love quoting him because he's somebody that set out to prove that Jesus wasn't, and now he became, or then, he's passed away now, became one of the most staunch believers. And C.S. Lewis says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. It's hard. See, I'm going to flip that over until we have something to be forgiven for sometimes. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. We beat our own selves up. We will not let ourselves be forgiven sometimes. It's a struggle. It is a struggle. And I feel like I faded away there. No, I'm on. You know, we start putting up a wall when we start talking about forgiveness. And I want to be clear here. Is my mic working? It's not working. Can I borrow yours, Tanya? I'm, I'm going to switch to Tanya. Is it working now? Yes, no, there I am. There it went. Okay, it's working again. Let me have this one stand by just in case. 
devil's in the details. He don't want some of us to hear this this morning. I asked for the Holy Spirit to show up this morning in a significant way. Did y'all hear it come in? Yes, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm still ringing, guys. Sorry. Now, I want to be clear here, and I want to say something that's pretty important. If you find yourself in an abusive relationship, and if you know someone who is in a, an abusive relationship, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? When we're talking about letting go and, and forgiving. Now, if you're way past it and, and it's something that happened years ago, that may be where you find yourself. But I'm not talking about we should never be in an abusive relationship and say, well, I'm just going to keep forgiving him or her or whatever. So I, I want to be clear on that because sometimes people... I've heard horror stories of pastors sharing things like that and come up. So I'm just supposed to continue to be abused? Absolutely not. If you need help with a situation like that, you let us know. But I did run across a, a staggering statistic, though. One out of three college-age women say they have been physically abused by a, and a partner. Now, I will be the first to tell you that makes me angry. Why, why is it even that high? How does it even get there? I, I've got uh, a baby girl in college, and I'll be the first to admit to you, she don't want me talking about her. She talked about me early, didn't you? You mess with my baby girl, I'm probably going to show up and say, boy, I hope God gives me forgiveness. <laughs> it's just human nature. So this stuff is real. So I, I just want to be clear on that. But Jesus came to redeem us all. He came, that was his main job, to give us forgiveness that we could not do ourselves. So to illustrate this point of who deserves forgiveness and who doesn't, I don't, I don't think it's up to us to make that decision. Who deserves forgiveness and who doesn't? That, we, we start getting on shaky ground when we start deciding who deserves forgiveness and who does not. You see, Jesus came to Peter in a dream one night and, and see the, the Jewish people back in that day, and a lot of it was because of the man-made laws that they had created of what you could eat and what you couldn't eat, what made you clean, and, or what, more importantly, what made you unclean and unfit to even walk into their synagogue. They had all these man-made rules. And basically what they were doing by creating all those rules were saying, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You people are not worthy. Just starting to disclude people because of who they were. And we see this in Acts chapter 11. And this is from, this is Peter talking. And he replies, surely not, Lord. Basically, he had given him a vision of go to the Gentiles. They are my people as well. And he says, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Basically what they ate, it was thought to defile them. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. So to take it to our topic of forgiveness today, we don't get to decide what God says is pure or not pure. And we don't get to decide who God says deserves forgiveness 
or doesn't deserve forgiveness. That's between God and them. Besides, what does forgiveness do anyway? If you think about it, a lot of times forgiveness frees the person who is doing the forgiving, not the person that needs forgiven. You know what I found in talking to people, and man, I spent many days at a, at a fire station kitchen table, and we talk a lot about life, and, and you just hear guys carrying these burdens, myself included. You're like, when did that happen? Oh, man, that, that was back in 1987. You're like, what? You're still carrying that around since 1987? Have you even talked about it? I'm not talking to them about it. You carry these burdens so long. I found myself on a hospital bed in ICU one time. And I had two of my family members standing beside me. I can't tell you the last time they were in a room together. But when I was almost about to die, they were standing right there side by side praying for me everything they could. And I said, do you remember what you're mad at her about? Caught him off guard. He went, what? I said, do you remember what you're mad at him about? Both of them shook their head. They just had put up these stubborn walls, and they weren't going to do what they were supposed to do by loving each other. And here I am. I didn't know how close I was to dying, but I was really close to dying. They knew, and I said, then we need to let all this stuff go. We got to love each other. Some people carry around these things for 20 years. Sometimes you carry it around and you haven't let yourself be forgiven for like 20 years. Now, Jesus gave us a parable. And I'm going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 18. And it's about a king who was basically calling his debts. Kings would do this every once in a while. He would call the people in from the villages. Okay, you owe me this much money. Okay, we loaned you this much money. And I'm picking it up in Matthew chapter 18, verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. He basically couldn't pay it up. It was a lot of money. And he begged, and I will pay back everything. The king took pity on him, canceled his debt, and let him go. Now, in this story, the king took so much pity on this person who could not pay his debt. He canceled it all. He didn't say, all right, I'll tell you what. You just start giving me five bucks once a week, and, and we'll just call it even, and we'll move on. No. And then what's so beautiful about this illustration, if you put the dots together, Jesus is basically foreshadowing what he's going to do for us. He's going to cancel all of our debts forever. But then when we go to verse 28, what did the servant do? He went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him money. Remember, all his debts been forgiven. A hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we get the term hypocrite from. This right here is where we are forgiven, especially those of us that put our faith in Christ. We've been forgiven of everything. Our sins are forgiven. Yet, we want to look at somebody else and go, I can't believe you did this to me. 
I can't believe you did that. We find ourselves right here not wanting to be the one to forgive. We got to let go. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I'll pay it back. Exactly the same thing that he said. And we know the rest of the story. The king got wind of it, caught him back in front of him and threw that guy in jail. And I'm going to skip ahead to verse 35. We don't need to miss the last part. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Jesus is telling us that we need to forgive. I heard Dr. J David Jeremiah in a sermon that I was listening to, and I was out mowing one day, and, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute, i got to back that up. He said, you know, we, we come to Jesus, some of us that are Christ followers, maybe we come to Jesus at a young age, and then life happens. And we think that we can never be forgiven, but if we truly put our faith in Jesus, we, we carry it. We carry it even heavier, like, oh, I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ, and, and I made that mistake, and it weighs on us so heavy. He said, do you realize that when Jesus went to that cross, and he took all of that punishment, fixed all of that debt, paid for it all, that all of our sins were in the future? That every sin up to this point and every sin we're going to commit going forward, Jesus has already forgave us for it. Sometimes we're our worst own enemy as Christ followers. We beat ourselves up even more and we don't enjoy the beauty of something that Jesus has already given us. Or we don't let somebody else go. She claims to be a Christian and did that to me. He claims to be a Christian and did that to me. It's like we add on more. Jesus already took care of it. Jesus already took care of all of it for every single one of us. So we're going to wrap up our time together here this morning. That don't mean I'm done in two minutes. Some of y'all already started thinking about Bojangles. It's going to take a little bit longer than two minutes. I got to, but we're going to finish with, this is a real story. And this is something that happened with Jesus and something that he gives us an example. And I'm reading out of John chapter 8, and I'm going to start at verse 3. And again, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, are kind of trying to trap Jesus. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, if you remember a few weeks ago, they brought Jesus before Pilate and they said, We don't have the authority to stone people. Yeah, they did. In their law, they did. So they brought this woman and said, hey, what are we supposed to do? Moses said we're supposed to stone her. 
They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground. This is one of those DVD moments for me. What did he write? Was he doodling? Man, bless their heart, they just don't get it. I'm getting ready to show them something special. We don't know what he wrote in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, I love it, he straightened up. No doubt Jesus was a man's man. He straightened up on these Pharisees and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down. That's all he said. It doesn't give any emphasis. It sounds like he's kind of calming the situation. No doubt a crowd had built. He's wanting to accuse. They're wanting to accuse this woman. They're wanting to stone her. They're wanting to publicly embarrass her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first because they got it first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened back up again and asked her, and I can only imagine the heartfelt compassion that Jesus had towards this woman. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go and lead your life of sin. This is the word of God. If you would allow me to pray real quick. Jesus, we just pray that you help us to hear your word. Help us to learn from it. Help us to follow his teachings. And today, help us to let ourselves be forgiven or to forgive. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I talked to a buddy of mine last night, and we were talking about this very passage. And he, and he said, you know, I was preparing a message on this. And he said, I kid you not, Langham, it's like I started hearing one stone after another hitting the ground. He said it was like music to my ears. This is a pastor who had not let himself be forgiven. It's like music to his ears. Can you imagine what dunk, one after another, what it sounded like when I brought in the stones today. I brought them in this really sturdy, hefty bag. I carried them all the way in here, and as soon as I got right there to put them in those different little bins, the bottom of the bag busted open. And one after another on that beautiful tile floor out there, I'm like, ah! And I jumped down. I'm like, okay, guys, are you just kind of like setting us up? Like there's a whole lot of forgiveness needs to be going on in here this morning. But it's just one after another. And see, there's so many, so many sides to these stones if you think about what Jesus is teaching us, there are so many sides to that stone. And folks, I stand up here in front of you and tell you I've been on every side of it. It's not just two sides. It's not forgiven and unforgiven. Some people are the stone throwers. 
And they've been beating up somebody for years and not letting them be forgiven, even though Jesus has already forgiven them. Doesn't matter how many times they ask for forgiveness to the point that they look unrecognizable. So sometimes we're a stone thrower. We need to drop that. We need to let it go. Sometimes we're the woman who needs that forgiveness paraded up there in all of her shame. There was no doubt. There was no dispute what she did. She needed to be forgiven. And Jesus said, I forgive you. You can let it go. Now, some people say, well, I can't believe he let her go. If that was their law, why didn't they follow through with it? I mean, why do we even have laws anyway? Jesus came to give us a new covenant. He came to change it. But once he forgave her, he didn't say, hey, you keep doing what you're doing. High five or you go on, girl. I got you forgiven. No. He said, go and sin no more. So it didn't come with a requirement for her. She was forgiven. Her debt was paid right at that moment. She had no idea, no doubt. She became a follower of Jesus, I'm sure, what that truly was going to mean, what Jesus was going to do to forgive her. This is a big stone, so I'm going to drop it. We need to let it go. We need to let it go. If there's something that you have not been letting yourself be forgiven for, let it go. Jesus already has. And maybe you've not put your faith in Jesus yet. Well, put your faith in Jesus and feel what the power of the Holy Spirit does to you in regards to forgiveness. And maybe you are the one that's not forgiving. Kind of ironic. I picked this one up and it's got a big hole in it. I actually thought of myself. I'm like, I'm going to take the rock with a big hole right in the middle of it because I think my wife and my stepdad will agree. There's times it seems like I got a big hole in my head. Sometimes and maybe you are the one that needs to let go and forgive. It's one of the hardest things in life for us to do when we've been hurt. I don't know what you've been through. And I'm really careful not to claim that I do. I've seen so much death and destruction in my 30 years of playing firefighter. Unfortunately, I have been the ones more times than I can count to tell a loved one that their loved one has just passed away. And I'm really careful not to say, I know exactly how you feel, because I don't. I do know what it feels like to carry around a baggage of not forgiving. I carry around that baggage for years with somebody that I was supposed to be close with. And I'm not going to go into that today, but I can tell you God convicted me and convicted me until finally I was in front of that person and I said, I'm sorry. I love you. And I need to let all that go. And it's so freeing. You all need to let it go. Just let it go. That's what those stones represented. One by one, they let it go. Every one of them did not deserve forgiveness. But yet they were ready to stone that poor woman. 
None of us deserve the forgiveness that Jesus has given us. It's not by our power. It's by his power. It's by his grace that gives us that forgiveness. So as Tanya comes forward and our, our wonderful duo this morning, the rock that you have, Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you need to stop being the rock thrower. I don't know. Maybe this is just a representation like it is for me remembering when I finally did forgive. You can do what you want to with this rock. If you want to throw it in the bucket when you leave, this altar is up here. If you want to come up here while they're singing us out, come up here and lay it at this altar, give it to Jesus and say, I'm done with it. You can do that too. Jesus has already forgiven us. I hope you know that and I hope you accept that. Let me pray for us. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, we love you. <laughs> and we thank you for the many gifts and blessing that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, most of all, we don't deserve to be forgiven like you have already forgiven us. So if there's anybody in here today that needs that forgiveness, I hope you help them to feel your spirit of forgiveness, Lord. If there's anybody in here that needs to let that forgiveness go, I hope they do that too. God, if there's anybody in here that's been resisting putting their faith in you because of forgiveness, I hope that you let them hear your words that they are already forgiven. I pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. If you'll stand with us, please.
So this series, we're talking about loving better. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so we all can be forgiven. God loved us that much that he forgives all of us. Maybe you find yourself, God, help me forgive. That's okay. God has already forgiven you. I pray that you have a wonderful week in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.